Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Eric, and with me is Kiwi and BP. Hello. Hi. Today we're going to be playing Isle of Sky from Chieftain to King by Andreas Pelican and Alexander Pfister. Uh, the artist is Clement Franz. Yep. Let me scroll up. Uh, <laughs> Take a look at the box. Check, checks out. Yep, checks out. <laughs> was published in 2015 by most recently Lookout Games, but lots of others have published it. Isle of Sky is considered to be one of the most beautiful landscapes of the world. Sandy beaches, smooth hills, and spectacular mountains are fascinating for everyone. In this tile-laying game for this is a long fucking description. I just copied it. In this tile land game for two to five players, you're the chieftain of your clan. You are creating your own clan territory in order to gather the most victory points. However, only four of the 16 available victory points conditions are in play every game, which creates a wide variety and lets players adapt their strategies for every game. One part of growing <laughs> your clan is to gather enough money in order to do so, in each round, you're allowed to buy one landscape tile from the other players. Pricing of these tiles is done secretly beforehand. Setting out a high price can yield a lot of money, but nobody buys the tiles. You have to pay the amount on your own. I'm doing rules, and it's not always clear <laughs> which tiles are worth and which ones are not. This creates an interesting choices for tense gameplay for all. Additionally, the goal of the game is to get the most victory points for your clan territory to not and not be the richest, even though money is worth some victory points in the end. Planning ahead strategy and snatching an opportunity at the right moment is key to success. Mechanics are auction bidding, catch the leader, set collection, tile placement, turn order progressive, and the box art is a classic Clemens Franz. It really is. Like, mm -hmm. why? Why is it always the same? It's got that border around a picture of very cliche Scotsman, kilt, mm -hmm. bagpipes. Sheep looking lovingly at the Scotsman. Some sort of bird. It looks like a puffin, but also a duck because puffins, I don't think, fly. It's like a puffin goose. Yeah. And so then the, the tower <laughs> is a specific type of uh, building uh, and then a castle in the background. I wonder I wonder if that's a, a, a registered tartan or if he just made one, made up. one up. And if it is a registered tartan, is it one specific to the area of the Isle mm -hmm. of Sky? So based on all this, would you pull it off a shelf? BP. Yeah, I mean, okay, so I kind yes and no. So one, like walking through, like I went through a board game tavern the other day, and I will say that, I mean, with Clemens Franz and with the art, you just almost like are just like, ugh, not another one. But some of them has games or that he did, at least does the art for have been really good so i probably would stop long enough because i mean isle of sky and scottish themes aren't necessarily right always available so so i probably would i don't think i would the box or the description doesn't really jump out at me box art like i would look at it and just go ah it's clemens franz and i would move on i think um i've heard of the game like i've heard of alexander fister but I'm not sure anything intrigues me about the description or the box itself. Yeah, uh, the the box is not intriguing. Uh, the description, I hate when they have the dry rule descriptions. Like, give me a hook to your game, not a how to play on the box. It drives me crazy. And I also hate when they do. This creates interesting choices, intense gameplay for all. Like, that's not your decision to make. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Alexander Pfister, I don't think alike. So I'm expecting heavy Euro. 
um, that I probably won't be super excited about. Also, I looked it up. That is nowhere close to the tartan of the Isle at the, uh, the most common tartan on the Isle of Skye. There's a lot more like purple. It actually looks really cool. Mm-hmm. That's it's got like purples and blues and greens. This one on the box is a lot more yellow. All right. How do we think it's played, Kiwi? I mean, we got a pretty solid head start. Yeah, I think you. Well, there's going to be uh, you're going to bid on tiles that other people are going to buy. So are you guys saying that I did not write a good description? No, it's, it's just the, the, the description. description. Yeah, you're not. Just, yeah. It's not your job to write the description. This is this should be the description that came from probably Board Game Geek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't write descriptions. Okay, I just copy and paste. That's just the problem. Is is all the rules are in the description, which is what Eric. The was idea talking is about. to get the description that we would have if we were looking at the box. Uh, yeah, so we're gonna have tiles, and we're gonna bid on tiles, and other people are gonna buy them. But you have to set a price, so other people are gonna pay. So it's gonna have some of that like container esque. Uh, there's a game called Container that you would set prices for your products, and other people would have to buy them. And then we're going to lay them out like Carcassonne and we're going to create our own little like island area right. for our clan. So yeah, we have all that. Now tell me, how does the sheep come into play? The sheep are going to give you bonus points, I think, you know, because you want to have large herds of sheep. So I think there's some set collection in there. Now the bagpipes bonus or negative? Mm, I think there is a, uh, there's going to be uh, sheep collections. There's going to be puffin geese. Uh, bagpipes and tartans. I think that's what we're going to collect. I think you need your bagpipes to scare off the puffin geese lest you get overrun. Well, everyone knows that puffin geese enjoy eating sheep. Right. That's your problem. <laughs> so you have Mouse. to use the bagpipes. They're natural predator. Yeah, natural uh-huh. predator. So you have to use the bagpipes uh, to scare off. It's going to be a little bit like Dinosaur Island, right? So you need more <laughs> bagpipes in order yeah. to scare off more puffin geese. And if you have right. more puffin geese than bagpipes, then you, you lose, lose sheep. all your sheep. Yes. Yep. That's a, that's a, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. You guys have definitely have some interesting uh-huh. game uh-huh. ideas. We are creatives. I have a feeling that our game will be better than what we're about to play. Wow. Uh, I mean, this is, this is a highly ranked game, but it is. A we know how that is always not always clicked with <laughs> but us. But I've watched that. highly ranked movies and played highly ranked games that I thought were not great. Segway to history. <laughs> Yeah. Right. So BP, the history of uh, the plight of puffin geese in the Isle Isle of Skye. All right. Scotland, known for its lack of sheep due to the puffin geese infestation. (laughs) (laughs) Those damn puffin geese. Uh, Well, Scottish history is uh, pretty interesting, especially the Highlands. um, And Isle of Skye usually does uh, fit into the more Highland-styled clans. Uh, And it's in a pretty cool part of Scotland as well. Um, It is cool in modern times because it does have this new bridge. And so it has become uh, that connects it to uh, the mainland, which is still an island. I understand a bunch of islands. Anyway, um, so it it gets a lot of tourists and is very popular for its tourism today and especially kind of outdoor uh, views, hiking, you know, scenery, all of that type of things. And of course, hopefully be there next year. Nice. Right. If travel's a thing. Uh, Great scotch if you're into that thing as well. Um, Because, you know, that's what also Scotland 
produces a lot of and exports. And the Isle of Skye is pretty famous for its uh, scotch that it makes and distills as well. Talisker is the big fame, like the more wide known uh, exported uh, global brand. But there's, of course, like hundreds of distilleries. Uh, anyway, uh, so... What, what I find interesting about the Isle of Skye and uh, kind of the highlands in general is that that especially the more northern areas had been, um, uh, you know, occupied for hundreds and hundreds of years, even before, uh, say, the Romans, the British, before even, you know, tartans uh, were categorized by. Uh, by the British to to make it easy to denote who was who. By the way, like actual, like back in the uh, kind of early medieval period, they didn't actually have these assigned classified tartans. You would just have some kind of tartan or kilt, which was probably of any type of color wrapped around you for your battles. And sometimes, of course, they would use those in different ways as they went into battle. Um that would make them easier to move around in. Uh, but anyway, uh, the island is also uh, known because it had uh, a big uh, fight between uh, the clan McLeod and the clan Donald. There can be like, only one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, so I just did some quick Googling because I thought maybe I messed up the tartans. Uh, so it looks like the tartan that, that on, that's on the box could be of the clan McLeod. It, it looks very mm-hmm. close to that one. Uh, but there's also a McKinnon is one of the lesser known mm-hmm. clans on the island. So it's a very avalanche-esque. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah McKinnon McLeod. But no, like this, the 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 uh, vendetta that went on, the feud that went on between the McLeods and the McDonalds. I I think it was actually the McDonalds and not just the Donalds. According to Google, it is the McDonalds. Yeah, it went on for generations, like a few hundred years. We're talking about. I, I don't even remember how it started. Probably somebody married somebody and. Or like slapped somebody, you know, it was like one of those like vendettas where they just kept going back and forth, like hundreds of years hated each other. And so uh, that also took place right on the Isle of Skye. The other cool thing I thought that was also unique about the Isle of Skye is that it was uh, it actually used to have and was actually part of uh, Norway, um, unlike kind of the rest of the uh British Isle, which was right more part of uh, and uh, infiltrated, you might say, from more mainland areas like the Danes or even like uh, the early Swedes. And of course, right, the Celts from uh, from the mainland continent and those types of things. So it was actually more uh, linked with the Norwegians, but that history was systematically uh, kind of broken apart until uh, about the 13th century when uh, some of the uh, Picts 
Celts, uh, and then your standard Vikings, right, came in and took over much of Scotland and then the island. Uh, and then, of course, uh, once the British tried to have uh, control over Scotland as well, and especially uh, during the Jacobite Rebellion, um, the whole clan system would be uh, kind of solidified. And by the 19th century, um, right, uh, 18th and 19th century, really sent in for production of the sheep, hence our sheep and wool. And then eventually by the 19th century, uh, the highlands would be almost emptied as everybody uh, would flock to uh, industrial towns to pretty much probably make clothes for the rest of the world for a while. And so now there's just a bunch of ruins all over uh, the highlands, basically, that represent uh, this wild history. The Scots did. They do have uh, curling, though. That's good. That's where uh, all the all the curling rocks that are used in the Olympics oh. are made in Scotland. There's like a true curling rock comes made from. Made or no, quarried? Both. There's one company that makes the, the rocks for Olympic and uh, a, a true curling rock comes from, it's like two specific quarries in Scotland. And they're only allowed, uh, like the companies that make them are only allowed to like dig out some of the rocks like every 10 or 15 years. Oh, wow. And then that's what they get for that time period. Uh, yeah, it, it's like super cool. And so most of the rocks that the company makes, like their stones come from somewhere else, but like. They're like super expensive. Like mm. this is a true curling rock. Come from those quarries. You have the most interesting. Yeah, that's because curling penguins. is the second best sport ever after hockey. Correct. Huh? Interesting. Yeah. So uh, basically, we're going to have uh, four, one of the right four of the 16. So your scoring tiles, only four are in play. Those are going to be uh, in the game board um, in the, the center that everybody, right, will be kind of playing off of along with a round tracker and your uh, scoring point tracker, all of that stuff, all on that uh, on the game board itself. Uh, it is played in six rounds with six phases. Uh, you're also, each player is going to have their own player screen and you get a landscape tile with a castle on it. So everybody gets castle, everybody gets a player screen. You get a scoring token, of course, to track your points and then a discard marker. That was very Oprah Winfrey of you. Look under your chair. You get a castle. You get a castle. Everybody gets a castle. Everybody gets a castle. Um, so uh, the six rounds, six phases, each phase starts with income. Then you draw tiles at prices. Then you discard a tile. Then you buy tiles. Then you build and then you end of game score. So the income, everybody starts with five gold and it kind of um except if you do have uh whiskey so obviously getting whiskey uh having whiskey barrels and a distillery gets you more money um and then after certain rounds uh there'll be ways for those behind to get more gold and so uh, it's not that you'll get five gold every single round it may change from round to round depending on where you are on the score tracker so then you're going to uh, draw tiles. So each person will draw three landscape tiles from the bag, place them face up in front of the player screen. 
so everybody will see. Sorry, I had to like think about because I was like, wait, is that right? Yeah. So the the landscape tiles are in front of your player screen. Everybody can see them, but behind the screen, in secret, um, you will get to kind of line up which one you want to discard. So uh, one of them you will discard right away, and then the other two you're going to place at least one gold coin or one coin. Um, kind of lined up with it and then you can assign whatever price you want. Uh, but again, if, uh, as we'll look at, uh, if nobody buys your tile, you're going to have to, um, you take it and pay for it yourself. So you have to keep that in mind when setting your price. And then what you're going to do is remove your screen to reveal what you have. And, uh, then you will discard the tile that you indicated that you're discarding, put it back in the bag, shuffle it up, and then goes the round of buying. So with the starting player going clockwise, each player is going to buy, or they can buy, they don't have to, you can pass, but you can buy one tile from only one other player. So that's it. You get to buy one tile. So it seems like right, everybody is going to end up with one leftover, one tile leftover that they're kind of paying with unless somebody like buys both of your tiles and then you're lucky. Uh, so you're going to buy that. Um, and then uh, the player is going to pay, right? What uh, you have, you have asked from them and you get to keep that gold. And then you also get to take back the gold that you had put out saying, this is what it's worth. Uh, then the buyer places the tile behind their screen Um and then we'll see in five when you actually go through the build phrase. Um, and then you can pass if you don't want to buy, but your tile doesn't sell. Again, you lose the gold you assigned to it. It goes back to the bank and then you have to do something with that tile. So then during the build phase, uh, everybody does this one simultaneously where you try to uh, build, a.k.a. lay the tiles uh, in the proper order, very much along the lines of Carcassonne. So everything has to match. Uh, and pretty much in the line of Carcassonne, roads don't have to actually go somewhere, right? Okay. Not unlike a nine-tile panic where the roads yeah, had to be had a certain to go way. somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. And then uh, when everybody's done with that, uh, any tile that you could not lay goes back in the bag. Uh, some tiles will give you victory points right away. Uh, others will wait for the end of round scoring. You receive some victory points, depending on if you've uh, met the scoring tiles that are in the center of the board, or again, some of them will have them um, on the tiles themselves. If you've, again, surrounded an area very much like Carcassonne, then you get double the amount of points. Uh, and then after six rounds, it's the end of the game. Uh, tiles with scrolls uh, will give you certain points based on the images, uh, the scrolls in the completed areas. And we can see uh, there's a whole actual uh, page in the rule book that tells you what everything's worth. Um, and then uh, also your extra gold will give you some victory points at the end. And obviously, Player with the most victory points win, and Ty goes to the one who has the most gold. So you don't necessarily want to be the richest, but I guess you still want to have gold. So I don't know. 
what that was all about. Okay. Uh, so first player is chosen as the youngest player, but I thought it would be way more exciting um, now knowing about Eric's future plans is maybe the first uh, the person most recently to drink scotch from the Isle of Skye or have visited the Isle of Skye. Anyone? Nope, never been. Uh, I, I don't think, remember the last time I had scotch. I think you should go to Kiwi for his obscure curling knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's fine. Kiwi can go first. Uh, okay. Let's, uh, let's, let's play. We just finished a game of Isle of Sky. Uh, to recap, BP had 47 sheep points, Kiwi had 54 cattle points, and I won with 62 not money connected points. land mass points. <laughs> not money points. <laughs> not money points. My strategy was to be broke. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Like I just started just trying to build a a neat looking land i got some ships that got me off to an early lead and then i was in the lead and had no money and the last two rounds i was just bargain basement selling <laughs> stuff and just trying desperately to be able to buy like one piece yeah i think it the, the key was i had the most ships the whole game and oh yeah that got you a good chunk of points yeah three scorings of that was 15 points that's enough to get me the win and yeah. then, um just trying to at least keep neck and neck with you on like the other objectives which was like having square squares of four and connected land masses and animals so i think i at least stayed tied with you guys there and then won on the ship not intentionally by any means i literally just liked the look of a ship tile that gave me two ships at the start <laughs> yeah i feel like the first round ish like i picked tiles that looked cool and then I started playing more towards like getting points. Um, but then I, I think it kind of shocked me a little bit that it was like, what, round two or round three when you guys were like, this is now worth seven gold. And I was charging like three <laughs> and I was like, ah, crap. And you guys bought up all my, my tiles. And so like I, you know, I think I had a round or two where I only got to place one tile because I underpriced, not really understanding the economy, mm -hmm. but I think it helped not knowing, not knowing where you guys were at with money. Like I didn't know, like if I really want this tile, how much do I need to charge yeah. in order for you to not buy my tile? Yeah, I was the opposite because like early on, you know, I had money and was pricing well, but by the end, I had to just price cheap, and then I had like one tile to place each round. Yeah, yeah. so I was like trying to just make sure I got like the right tile to like complete a a land mass or something. Yeah, I tried to do or that. Get, get the I, ships. And I and I guess my tiles were so good and I underpriced and the two tiles that I wanted, you guys both bought. <laughs> uh, BP strategy? Yeah, I think that's a word that has meaning. I don't it, know that I really it is in ever... the dictionary. I don't know if I ever really have a strategy. I just, you know. I mean, I think you guys have talked about, you know, I... I started to, I wanted certain things at the beginning. I didn't necessarily get them. So then it was just trying to get stuff 
I didn't even ever think about if I could place it or not. There was only like one time where I was like, oh, do I have to get rid of something that I was able to place it? So that was real interesting to think about. Yeah, the only tile, the only tile that I bought that I specifically bought because I loved the look of it and it got me no points was the bridge. The bridge. And I was like, I want <laughs> <Yeah>. a bridge. <laughs> That's fair. It's a cool looking tile. Uh, what did you think of the theme, BP? Did you feel like you were, or actually, let's go with Kiwi and his curling knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, did you feel like you were a curling Scotsman? Uh, I would, no. Yeah. Yeah. I felt more like, uh, what are those people that like they go into games where you can like, terraform and they all they do is just like make like really beautiful maps mm. and like that's kind of like just their hobby like that's what i, I felt like one of those people Art, just going in yeah well not cartographers but like there's people that like their medium for art is like games that allow you to terraform and like create your own terrain yeah there, there's a program for minecraft called like world painter or something like that and people go in and just and like you wouldn't know that it was minecraft unless it said like this is a minecraft landscape because the way they've painted it and it doesn't look like Minecraft <laughs> and it's amazing. And people do the same thing with stuff like skit city skylines and other, other oh, games yeah, where true. you just try to like not to win the game, but to design it in a way that just looks very pleasing. Yes. And so uh, that's, I felt more like someone like that than I did a, a curling Scotsman or someone from the clan McLeod or yeah. McDonald or, or that you were competing for clan territory. Like, yeah. I mean, we, we weren't, it's, it, there wasn't area control. So how are you competing when everyone's building basically their own map? Yeah. I mean, it's, it is tacked on. It does, you know, with the mountains and kind of the locks you kind of create and then there's sheep, I guess, but that probably describes a good chunk of the world. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's kind of just, I, I think Kiwi had said it at the beginning about Carcassonne. It's like Carcassonne with a little bit of, uh, you know, add-ons, I would say. Table presence? Does this uh, jump out at you? Not really. I would say it kind of does. Like, I mean, it, 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 it's it got a Carcassonne vibe to it, the way mm-hmm. the, the tile, but I do like the art on the tiles. And I think, yeah, I, I feel like what? Carcassonne. Are you going to start giving Franz Clement some love? No. Well, there's no people that you can see in this. So there were little dots. Little dots. Okay. <laughs> just the way I like Clement's Franz art, just little dots. Um, no, but I, I think Carcassonne has a good table presence too. Cause like mm. as you're building out this, like, you know, the area, you get like this bigger and bigger and bigger, uh, you know, tiles laid out. And eventually you're going to stop and look and, you know, Oh, you know, what is this? What are they building? So I got the same vibe from, uh, was it Tang Tang Garden? Oh, yeah. like, that one's way mm, pretty. That's way prettier. Yeah, but it's the idea that like you have a blank canvas and then yeah. you slowly build it up. And I think games that are like that tend to draw my eye a little bit more, especially when they're later game. Like in the beginning, they're boring. But right. later on, when you build up the thing, you know, my last tile with the bridge, like I placed it based on where I thought it would look coolest. <laughs> That's what I was trying to do my last one, but I couldn't place it there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Any tile placement game, if you're not getting at least a little bit of good table presence, you're, why are you making a tile placement game? Um, but then it kind of loses it. I mean, obviously art on the tiles could be more like Tang Garden. Like it could be mm-hmm. more eye catching, but it's still a nice, like it's fun to put a little map together. And then it kind of really loses it on the like scoring board one that is kind of back to that box art style. Yeah. It's pretty bland. Um, they could have done something fun or interesting there, like a fun sheep or something. I don't know. 
a puffin goose. Mm-hmm. The very the the violent carnivore puffin goose. <laughs> <laughs> Chasing yeah, sheep. It's, it's better than some, just because it's a tile placement game, but not the best tile placement. It's like Carcassonne, really. Uh, mechanics kiwi. Um, I liked the uh, the the setting the price and bidding thing. It, re- it it's one of the parts I like about Castles of Mad King Ludwig, mm. where you have that one player that sets the price for everything. So it creates this puzzle of like, how much do I desperately want this piece? Right. How much am I willing to pay for it? How much do I think other people won't pay for it? And then you kind of like set your prices based on that. And so I yeah. I I enjoyed that part of the game, and then. You know, we just talked about creating the map and all that stuff. So I do, I do like that portion. So I felt like the mechanic, like there was nothing that um, like conflicted with each other. I felt like there weren't too many mechanics and the mechanics themselves like worked out well. Um, and even the the catch-up mechanic, hmm. I got so much money right. from that yeah. catch-up mechanic, but it still took me end of round scoring or in the very last round plus end of game scoring to, to even me. get into second place. Yeah, I do kind of wish the catch up mechanic helped you more points wise. It seemed like it was like, OK, you're just going to end up with a lot of money, which will give you points at the end instead of actually letting you like put it back into the game to try to catch up. In terms of like points and stuff, I mean, and, it, it's helpful, it's better than nothing, but it. Yeah. And I suppose I could have charged more for my tiles so that I kept the tiles that I wanted and then I would have had less points at the end. But yeah, you know, but I, I liked the way the mechanics work together. So, yeah, I, I would agree. It, I mean, I have I haven't played Carcassonne in a long time, but I felt like the little the puzzle of putting things together was a little more interesting. Uh, BP anything. No, I mean, I think it was like I said and that you guys have stated as well, like that it definitely has that feel mechanics wise of Carcassonne with a little bit more and that little bit more just makes it that little bit more interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Rules learning the game. Yeah, you guys. Oh, yeah. How'd I do? BP one this time. Kiwi, how'd you feel learning the game? Yeah. What do you think taking the week off? Well, first off, that was very nice. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> did I do okay? Yeah, I think you did. I think, you know, we did go in the rule book a little bit just to make sure that we got everything. But I feel like after the first round, we weren't in the rule book anymore. Uh, and I feel like the big part of what we were in the rule book for was Looking to specifically spell out the goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the goal, really yeah, the goals really, of the setup, really. Yeah, and then once we had that down, it was super smooth. So, I, I, yeah, and I feel like BP did a good job uh, explaining it. And the rule book, like when I looked mm-hmm. at it, it laid out really well. It's a pretty small rule book. It's only mm-hmm. like six pages. And that, and that includes the, the cover page. Mm-hmm. And um, one page that shows all the, the summaries, summaries of the yeah, tiles. Yeah. 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 So the rules are super short. And they honestly, they probably could have made it even shorter. But. Yeah. BP, how did you feel about reading the rule book? It was fine. Uh, Yeah, it was pretty straightforward. So, um, I I mean, I tried to condense and summarize my bits of it. So I wasn't just basically reading out of the rule book, but the rules were so few that it was really just me rephrasing what the rules were. It really was. It was crazy. Like how succinct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Player interaction. Obviously, it's a tile placement game we all had our own but i do think adding in the auction mechanic made it a lot more interactive um 
Kiwi, we underpriced and we were joking and then I was bargain basementing and, <laughs> and selling off and we had a lot more interaction there because I played uh, a game last night that had no player interaction and just adding a little thing like that really makes you a little bit more engaged. Like I wasn't really paying attention to what your tiles were right. or like trying to compete with you directly, but at least there was something for us to talk about. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say that too. Like, um, yeah, that, that price, because with Carcassonne, the player interaction comes from your, everybody's building on the same, same map, mm-hmm. same map. But if you end up like, you know, if all your meeples you have are in one corner, you're only going to play in that mm-hmm. corner. And if, all somebody else's meeples are another corner. You're like, you have the potential of just playing a solitaire game, but just happen to be on the same map. Like, yeah. I don't think I ever really looked at y'all's like wh- your total maps, but yeah, like Eric said, like you end up talking because of that kind of auction mechanic in there. So, right. So it's not a lot, but at least if you're going to have like a Euro where you kind of want everyone to have their own separate play spaces so you don't have to directly compete, like at least adding in a small mechanic that like makes players remember that there's other players in the game is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you play it again? Uh, Kiwi. Yeah, I was a little concerned that I wasn't going to like it because I f- didn't like the description or the cover art, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't have picked it up, but I really enjoyed it. I liked the 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 auctiony mechanic. I liked, you know, trying to figure out what pieces I needed and how to charge for mine and which pieces to buy. Um, I think I would replace Carcassonne with this. Like we have yeah. Carcassonne here. We haven't played it in a long time just because we have other games uh, that we've been playing. But uh, like I would have no problems re- replacing Carcassonne with this. <laughs> I really liked it. Yeah. Um, I, I'd agree. Um, I, I'd play it again. It's not probably wouldn't be a replacement game just cause the art looks dated. Um, you know, I feel like I'd, I'd have to play 10 garden again, but that seemed mm-hmm. prettier and just more, you still built something cool looking. It had a decent puzzle to it. Um, but this did make, and I was worried too, because I was like, well, Alexander Fister, I think he did Great Western Trail. He does a lot of like heavy oh, heroes yeah, that I hadn't even thought are about not that. up my alley. Yeah. Um, but like I said, just having that little bit of player action in it was was nice for a Euro game. And, and you know, it kind of reminded me that I do like tile placement games and I kind of need one for my collection. <laughs> I don't know if this is it. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, BP? Um. Hearing Kiwi's uh, response now makes me feel bad. My initial uh, kind of reaction would be no, along the same lines that you said, Eric, as well. Like, I think, again, there are better, better looking tile placement games. But I mean, if it were to replace Carcassonne and we actually ever brought it to the table, like, I'm not going to say no, but I am not. It is not something that I would readily go to the shelf to pull off again. I would probably like if I saw it in a cafe or or whatever, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that game, it was all right. But, you know, go on to try to find something because of more of the gameplay or because of more of just sort of the art and look and sort of lack of a theme? I, 
I, I mean, I, I think that the kind of, again, if I'm, I'm, it's not that I'm against tile placement games because we've played a lot of them and some of them are really pretty and I really enjoy. So I'm going to go along the lines of, yeah, with the art. So, yeah, that's where I'm, I'm like borderline. I play it again, but I also kind of, it's one of those ones that makes me think I want to try other tile placement games to see if I can find one that like I want to add to the collection. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think you need to feel bad at all about like, you know, if I really <laughs> like it and you, you, you don't necessarily like, cause there's been plenty of games where like, I've really enjoyed it and I, you know, I would, my, I, I would like to have it, but like both you and Eric, I mean, Terraforming Mars is a great example and we've right. brought it up before. Like that was in our collection, but you and Eric did not like it. <laughs> and so it left my collection yeah. because like, there's no reason to keep it if I'm the only person who likes it. So you like, also shouldn't feel bad because he'll just buy it anyway sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, neither, it's, it's neither probably, one probably it's probably on the way right now. Neither, neither one of you guys likes Fort and it's downstairs. So <laughs> or or insert deck builder here. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> All right. So that was Isle of Sky. Uh some long subtitle under it too. Uh, uh Puffing geese and and sheep. Yeah, yeah. yeah Make that's sure the you remember to lock your sheep in the barn so they don't get eaten by the puffing geese. From chieftain to king, that probably makes more sense than puffing geese. No. Although not not nearly as violent. Those puffing I geese. Didn't, are, I didn't uh, see any chieftains or kings in this. I mean, I didn't see any puffing geese. Thank God, though. <laughs> I didn't see any puffing geese because that's here's why, the, that's here's why we saw sheep. Here's the thing: when you see a puffing goose. <laughs> It's, it's, too late. <laughs> it's too late. It is too late. <laughs> they call them the cassowary of the skies. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, if you have any recommendations of games that include puffing geese or not, and you want to hear our impressions on them, just send them our way. You can do so via email, firstturntabletop at gmail, or Twitter and Instagram at firstturncast. And the podcasting camel, while well, he sits back in a nice, cozy inn, sipping on his Isle of Sky whiskey, watching the puffin geese fly by, he no, says... No, it's too late. <laughs> if he sees the puffin geese fly by, it is too late. <laughs> Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers, and we look forward to hearing from you. Play more games. Starting with Eric for purchasing. Ooh, five? I thought, well, our economy's going up, right? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it. Yeah. I have five on one. All right, well, I should buy Kiwi's cheap shit. I got some. I feel like I, I'm the, the the mom and pop store to, <laughs> to Walmart. Fucking just Amazon dress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm in a bargain basement. Uh, that whiskey barrel and cow. The sounds of a curling rink. Lots of people on ice going back and forth and someone yelling, yep, yep. <laughs>